0: Okay. (laughs) I'm so tired.
1: Yeah. What have you been up to?
0: Well, there's been a lot happening in my garden. There's there's always a lot happening in that garden. Girl, I don't know, man. I just like, it's like, I plan out my garden. Like I draw all these like beautiful photos, like all these beautiful pictures of what it's going to be like in the fall garden and spring. And then it just, it's just not, you know, it just be so much happening back there. (laughs) Like after I said, I wasn't going to grow any beets. My husband was like, are you going to grow any beets? And I was like, no. And then how come I've been in Bots and Beets and now I'm growing beets? Girl, I ain't got nowhere to put them beets. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, There's like a lot of onions. Apparently you grow onions in the winter in Texas. So I got to figure that out. Oh, really? And I got all this kale now and I got all these rutabagas and I got all these collard greens. How come like I got a hundred thousand rutabaga, uh, collard green seedlings gray got no space for them i, I still got okra
1: <laughs> out
0: here so just i mean i think i think the listeners are gonna feel me yeah some people are gonna feel me because the weather is so weird yeah that stuff that shouldn't be like it's used to it used to be colder right. you know so now that it's so hot all the time you just got stuff all out of whack and anyway and then i have a new squirrel a little small baby one i'll yeah. post a picture of him he's an asshole
1: yeah Probably family member of the last squirrels that you had.
0: In- His mom taught him how to be an asshole because exactly. I saw her out there yeah, being exactly. an asshole as well. And I was like, see, baby asshole squirrel, the second. Do you have a black thumb?
1: Are you wondering what the word horticulture means?
0: Are you a little bit seedy?
1: A little shady?
0: Do you stand in the garden and wonder, what the f*** am I doing?
1: Do you look at people's yards and wonder what the f- are they doing
0: if so this podcast is for you no matter your gardening experience level i'm shannon
1: and i'm marcella two friends who like to laugh and learn our way through life and gardening tune in as we interview some awesome people who talk to us about their love for plants trees gardens bugs and more
0: welcome to CD and shady af a sketchy gardening podcast Hey,
1: Marcella. Hey, Shannon.
0: So I'm really excited. It's a bittersweet moment. It's it's a good moment and it's bittersweet because this is going to be part two of our interview with Les from the Norfolk Botanical Gardens, but it's also gonna be our last episode of the season. And I'm so sad about that.
1: Yeah, same here. It's It doesn't feel real because it just feels like not that long ago, we were just planning what we were gonna call this. And now we are recording the intro to the last episode. So-
0: and we got like 14 people to talk to us, which is amazing.
1: Yeah, which is the real mystery here and the real the real <laughs> win here. Exactly. Yes,
0: yes. And so in our last episode today, like I said, we're going to be talking, talking to Les from the Botanical Gardens. And he had a great episode last week. This uh, episode, he kind of goes a little bit more into a bit of the history about the Botanical Gardens in Norfolk and about the specific collections that they have there. So it's going to be awesome. And we're gonna be, we're gonna miss everybody.
1: Definitely, but don't worry, we'll still be active on the on the Instagram because we're we also will miss you all. So we'll be putting content out on on the Instagram. We plan to have the the new season ready to go in spring of twenty twenty four. So be on the lookout for the announcement of the launch date. Outside of that, if you haven't already, listen to the other episodes and definitely like and subscribe our podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts, because we want to be able to quit our jobs.
0: We need to be able to quit our jobs. (laughs) I mean, we're decent at our jobs, but we're even better at being podcasters
1: exactly a lot less pressure
0: right (laughs) well sit back relax and enjoy the very last show but we will definitely be hearing you'll be hearing from us on on instagram and and what is what is the mission of a botanical gardens because you kind of see them all around but i'm not quite sure if the listeners know kind of what's the purpose of that
2: well um i will give you what our mission is Uh, we we try to immerse visitors in a world of beauty um we try to lead through environmental action and we try to inspire through education and connection to nature um so we're we're a very urban area it's 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 very sprawly but it's very densely packed um there are communities in our area that don't have a lot of access to nature and that's one of our biggest things is to try to get especially some of the children to come out and see things that they don't see in their neighborhood or they're not going to see at their school um we have a lot of people that want to come out and just walk and commune. They don't care what the name of the plants are, um, but they get to see birds, they get to hear birds, they get to just, their blood pressure just goes down as soon as they come in. And then education, we do a lot of classes for people who are active gardeners who, who want to learn more. We do a lot of um, art education with uh, you know music and painting, uh, physical education with yoga classes. We do running events to the garden. So it's, it's, it's basically, um this area's backyard
1: yeah one of my favorite absolute favorite things um about Norfolk Botanical Gardens is the Garden of Lights which they do around the holidays and I grew mm-hmm. up going with my family and just seeing um just the beautiful light exhibits um uh and, and that was kind of my my um exposure to the Botanical Gardens and my blood pressure certainly went down looking at that. <laughs> so I can only imagine going in the spring when everything is in full bloom and it's it's uh daytime. So I'm definitely that sounds like a you just gave me an idea of what I'm going to do in the spring when I'm home. <laughs> so
2: Well, you need to come see me. Yes. Um, yeah, especially sure. in April because that's um you know we started off as the azalea garden. Um that was what our big thing was and we still have a lot of azaleas. That's our biggest collection, but we're so much more than that now. But if you want to just get overwhelmed with color, come about the second week of April.
1: Okay, sounds like a, sounds like an invitation. <laughs> I'll be there. Um. So so you, that leads right into our very next question, which are what are some of the unique plants and exhibits at the Norfolk Botanical Gardens?
2: Um. Before I kind of get into that, I just want to we I just want to mention our history. We have kind of a unique history We're we were founded in the nineteen thirties as a WPA project. And when they decided, when they finally got the funding for it to build a garden, they couldn't find anybody to do the work, because it was basically turning wilderness and and swamp into a garden. So they hired uh, 200 African American women, they were paid 25 cents an hour, there were 20 men that worked here, and they cleared all the acreage and planted. And then, once it was done, those people were largely forgotten, and they were not um, encouraged to come visit the garden. So it's only been in the past 30 years that we've recognized that injustice and really trying to celebrate those people and bring that community back into the garden and really make it a, a, a more diverse and welcoming place. So. With that in mind, we created a WPA garden where we um, have a statue of one of the workers. They did all that for twenty-five cents an hour, and they did it in dresses and hard shoes. It was it was quite a, an achievement, and because of their hard work, is why we have that garden now. We've got one of the largest collections of camellias on the uh, in the country. We just got recertified as an international garden of excellence by the uh, Camellia Society. We've got a spectacular hydrangea collection, beautiful Japanese garden. We have the only certified collection of crape myrtles in North America, probably the world. That's kind of, that's Norfolk's uh, signature tree. Wonderful children's garden. It's it's a huge children's garden. Um, big rose garden. Lots of perennial gardens, and then we have areas where we keep kind of natural. Um, That's where you see a lot of our regular walkers and members come. It's kind of weird. We're right next to the airport, and you wouldn't even know it sometimes. We're surrounded by water, so it's almost like an island, and we're just about a half a mile from the Chesapeake Bay. So we get a lot of bird life in there, too. So usually my people will stop working as soon as an unusual bird is spotted it's like okay now we got to get back to work because even though that pileated woodpecker is really unusual uh, we still have work to do
0: same i am the same as your workers because if anything unusual like i love birds like marcella will go to the gardens for the plants and i will go for the birds 100 percent. if i see a falcon i try to chase it we just actually recently marcella and i were in uh, colombia on the mm-hmm. coast and oh, wow we were outside and like every bird that i saw i was like oh, it's a falcon and I'm trying to, you know, chase it and make it my friend. So, But you know, that sounds like the way you describe the gardens, it sounds spectacular. And thank you for bringing that story in about the the WPA project and the women who worked on it because that's a very important part of the history that I didn't know about. And I'm not sure if many people do know about that. So thank you for definitely bringing that up.
2: You're, you're welcome. We had a, a really unusual project to try to come up with as many of the names of the women as possible. We It was a, a middle school student project uh, for gifted kids and some of our board members helped with that. And then we used the city of Norfolk archives. So there was about five different players that came together to come up with as many of these names as possible. So they're on the statue that we've got dedicated to them. And towards the, probably towards the end of her life, we had one of the ladies that was still with us who still came regularly to the WPA celebrations back into the early two thousands. So it, it was kind of a special thing.
1: I just got spumps.
0: Yeah, that's (laughs) really amazing. (laughs) And so, you know, you kind of talked about what it looks like and kind of, you know, uh, for our listeners who can't see, I think that they have a pretty good idea of how beautiful the gardens are. I know you talked a little bit about Seymour specifically being one of the cool plants that you have Mm -hmm. there, but what are some of the other um, plants that you have in the garden that you think are just really spectacular and really unique to the Norfolk Botanical Gardens?
2: We have quite a few of coastal coastal redwoods, uh, the redwoods that grow in California, and people think, well, that will never grow here, but they do. They thrive here. And In fact, we just had one get struck by lightning this spring, and we didn't realize at the time, it took a while for it to die, which was very sad, but we, so we knew we were going to have to take it down, and we we made it a social media moment, and that, of that people came out to, to look at it, and we just had it milled for lumber this week, and the guy the woodworkers were like, "Or oh, what are y'all going to do with that? And all of a sudden, our phones are ringing off the hook. People want some of this lumber. So we have milled it. We're going to use it around the garden somewhere, but it's got a cure for one or two years. But it was sad to lose it. But we still have uh, probably another eight of those. Got a beautiful collection of deciduous magnolias. Our, our winters here can be kind of roller coaster. We never have really severe weather. So often we'll have uh, magnolias blooming in February or early March. Um, in fact, we've always got something blooming, no matter what time of the year it is, because we, we're zone eight here, and we've really got more in common with Charleston and Savannah than we do with uh, Richmond, which is just 90 minutes up the road. It lets us do a lot of different things.
1: Incredible. So, kind of shifting gears a little bit, you, you're, you're a jack of all trades. You do it all, it sounds like. So, in addition to you know being the director of horticulture at botanical gardens, your experience at the at the um, the retail garden centers and your sociology. You also um, have written for various blogs and papers. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about that experience and how you came up with the topics?
2: Well, I um I had two personal blogs. One was about gardening and my travels and that kind of thing. That's and then I also had one about kayaking because I like to kayak. And I used to write for state by state gardening when they did regional gardening magazines, but they're they've sort of succumb to the digital age now and, and they're defunct. Uh, but as far as topics goes, I, I like to share things that I see and things that I was excited about, whether it be a plant or whether it be a new park that I had gone to or a hike that I had been on. You know, and I love showing off this area because most people don't know a whole lot about uh, coastal Virginia or or Hampton Roads or southeastern Virginia. Some most people know there might be a Navy base here, which yes, it is. But the natural area around here is is gorgeous. You go from full salt water, and then you go in a little bit, you get brackish, and then we have blackwater swamps and there's beaches and lots and lots of history. So it's it's a it's really a really a fun place to live. It's a fascinating place to live for gardeners as well as history buffs. So I like to share that. When I wrote for the magazine, it always had to be something seasonal. And that got to be a chore after a while. I did that for about three years because every every month you'd have to come up with something that was pertinent for January or so you can only write it. You, you can't repeat stuff. So that, that I had to really pull at strings to try to come up with topics for that.
1: Three years is a long time. That's 36 yeah. different topics you came up with. <laughs>
2: And I still, uh, I still do a lot of writing for the garden. I, I help with a lot of the publications, for especially when it comes to the, to the plant things. And then um, the, the local newspaper still supports gardening. So we we contribute uh, once a month to that. I don't write all of them. I'm, I edit all of them before it goes to the um, marketing department. Then the marketing department edit, edits before it goes to the um, newspaper. And then sometimes I, I write the articles. We, we kind of divide the, the love on that.
0: And so I'm wondering, you know, you do a lot of this work at the gardens and you talked about all the awesome things that you do there and how you support the people that work there and the people that come to the gardens. But when you're on your own at your house, like what kind of landscaping do you do on your own and what kind of things do you garden?
2: I don't actually do a whole lot anymore. Like when I first moved in, I I, I removed all the turf in the garden. I don't have a bit of grass left except ornamental grasses. And that was we bought the house in 95. So it's pretty full so now most of the work I do is is to prune things because I planted them too close together because I had to have (laughs) one of everything Um, and also things are getting tired so I don't mind pulling stuff out I went through an arborvitae phase and I think I have pulled all those out now and I really try to focus on planting natives as much as possible and that's only been recent in my life Uh, before I had to have as many camellias as possible I had to have as many hydrangeas I wanted Japanese maples, interesting conifers, but now it's like, well, what benefit is this going to have for the birds? What benefit is this going to have for the insects? And so that kind of guides me now. I also do a lot of uh, collecting of succulents for indoors and tropicals. And I've recently got on a Sansevieria kick, and I'm trying to collect those because they're so dead easy to grow. You don't have to do anything to them.
0: Marcella take note of
1: that. Uh, uh, that's um. what I was thinking. I'm noting that because I'm the one that kills everything. So Santavaria. Got yeah, it. Yeah the worst
2: thing you could do to them is give them too much water.
1: Okay. Okay. So perfect. right now that's my um went, by
2: the way. right now our living room and dying room are looks like a jungle and it's always <laughs> bad this time of year and, then, and they just sort of cling to life until I can get them outside again in the summer. Then they <laughs> They all just take a sigh of relief, okay, I'm outside, things are gonna be better, and they get lush and full, and then in the fall, I gotta drag them back in again. So I'm getting a little old to, to do all that.
3: Hi there, Seed in the Shade here with some interesting facts about azaleas. Azaleas are actually a type of rhododendron, and they are part of the much larger ericaceae, or heath family. North America is home to more than 26 native varieties of azalea. Close relatives include heather and, surprisingly, blueberries. The word azalea comes from the Greek word meaning dry, and they are the national flower of Nepal and also the flower of the zodiac sign Sagittarius. During the early to mid-1800s, azaleas were considered aristocratic flowers. Therefore, the first hybrid azaleas were planted in Charleston, South Carolina, in 1848. The Azalea Gardens in Charleston drew many visitors and even turned a profit during the Great Depression. This is what inspired Norfolk city manager Thomas P. Thompson to create the Norfolk Azalea Gardens through a Works Progress Administration grant awarded in 1938. So, if you're ever in Norfolk, Virginia, consider visiting what is now known as the Norfolk Botanical Gardens. Until next time.
0: Do you do any kind of vegetable gardening at all, or fruit gardening, or not so
2: much? Not so much. I um, most of my yard is is shady. Uh, I have one small patch in the front that's sunny, and I didn't want to give that space up for vegetables. No. <laughs> so I do. Um, <laughs> we do have places at the garden where they, we let employees grow vegetables from time to time. Over the years, I've I've done that, and we've got just starting to getting some really interesting farmers markets here. We we were kind of late getting on that trend, but um, they're picking up now. And um, I do like to shop at the uh, farmer's markets. I'm a vegan for the most part and uh, just love fresh vegetables. And I wish if I had room, I would have a huge garden. I just don't have the room or, or the sun.
0: You know, that's funny because I'm opposite. I have like, I'm primarily a vegetable gardener. And like, if I have to give any space to anything else, I'm just like, ah. So this year I've actually forced myself to buy flowers and try Uh to grow them as companions. But I'm like trying to figure out how to like make as much space to grow vegetables. So definitely putting other things in the garden is is something that's new to me.
1: I would also struggle with giving space to vegetables. I would want to grow like brownies or cupcakes or something. I would have a really hard time giving space to (laughs) So just especially if my space was limited, I'd be like, no, nah, I need to figure out how to grow some chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> so um with that said, what plant, you know, you mentioned before that you you matched your customers with plants. So I'm wondering what plant would you match yourself with if you were your own customer?
2: I'd probably pick my favorite tree, which is the bald cypress, because they've got one foot in the water and one foot on the land. They they live a long time, they're nice and straight, and they're they have a beautiful fall color. So they're, I think they're my favorite tree. I have waffled over the years between live oak and and bald cypress, but I think it's, it's a bald cypress. And
0: so if someone that thinks himself to be a black thumb and thinks they kill everything that they you know grow, I'm pointing at someone, but the listeners can't <laughs> see me pointing at the person who's my co-host. What kind of plant would you match her with or somebody like that?
2: If it's for indoors, I would probably try to sell her some kind of succulent and you could- <laughs> You could write on the calendar. If it's this month, this is when you order it. And then you know, there's apps on your phone now. You could just put you could just set up an alarm to say, Oh, I need to go water my Echeveria. <laughs> See,
0: Marcella, there are apps on the phone. You can yes. Do this.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I think succulents are gonna be my vibe. I think so. Absolutely. If it's,
2: if it's outdoors, I would try to find something that, that was native to your area that was attractive and because natives are usually, for the most part, able to withstand our climate ups and downs, and they're that's what how they evolve. So go with a native outdoors, pick something that doesn't need a lot of water indoors.
0: Marcella, did you write that down? Uh, you were
1: in my head, I did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so, Les, we have another fun question for you. Which one of these songs do you think would describe your gardening vibe? Would it be Wildflower? by tom petty or every rose has its thorns by poison
2: well i like the title of the poison song better but i don't can't stand that kind of music um <laughs> how about um green man by xtc that's one of my favorite okay. I'll one ta- of my favorite albums
0: that's a good one i'll take it <laughs> <laughs> marcella what what song do you think describes your gardening vibe
1: Ooh, i wasn't ready for this question hmm I'm going to say live
0: and let die, but I don't know. Probably,
1: probably something (laughs) like that. Or um, I feel like my, my plants, I do have a plant currently that's holding on strong. So I think, you know, like her vibe is I will survive. (laughs) 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 By um, yeah. So it's hanging on there strong for dear life
0: it's funny we had this uh huge storm that came through maybe two weeks ago and just like killed everything and so and now it's acting. the outside the weather's acting like it's spring and it loves us again but like two weeks ago that was not the case and so every day i've been going out to my plants since then and just been singing that song by wilson phillips hold on like hold on for one more day you know so that's kind of
1: my gardening vibe (laughs) yeah
2: Yeah. i think that same storm hit us too
1: yes We got it on our end too. Yeah. So do you have a soundtrack for gardening?
2: I listen to a lot of music. It's really, it helps me cope with whatever's going on in the world. But when I'm outside in the garden or on my bike or kayaking or walking the dog, I like to hear the birds. I like to hear the wind. I like to to hear what's going on in the neighborhood. You know, if I'm out front gardening, I we have a corner lot. And when I am gardening, the neighbors stop by and barrage me with plant questions or comments <laughs> so i would just have to take my earbuds out anyway so i just i just listen to what's going on
1: your soundtrack like is nature
0: <laughs> so when you're out front gardening and you just hear somebody go hey there's the plant man and you just look up because they're talking about you
2: they they usually say and I, i'm not bragging to say oh i love your yard but i can never put this much work into it and then i i say you know it really isn't that much work it it, it probably takes the guy across the street more time to keep his grass looking like it does uh, than it does to, to keep my garden looking like it does. So people think it, it's hard and it's daunting, but really you just start small and build up from there. So that
0: kind of leads right into what our next question was going to be for you. So what advice would you give to a new gardener? You said kind of start small, but what would other advice be for a brand new gardener?
2: I think the the most important thing is to to know where you live because even the, the the most barren places there are communities of plants that do well in those areas. They're adapted to the temperature, they're adapted to the rainfall, so know where you live and pick plants that can survive in in that climate. I think it's also important to to know what you're buying. Uh, A lot of people go to the garden center and they buy these cute little uh, cone shaped trees. Oh, that's look nice at Christmas tree in the front and we'll put some lights on it. But it it gets 30 feet tall, and then all of a sudden it's blocking their their porch, and it's growing into the foundation. So people don't pay attention to what plant's potential is. So I think that's really important that people need to read as much as possible before they make a purchase.
1: That's excellent so,
2: advice.
0: So definitely knowing your environment, knowing your climate, and kind of knowing you know your surroundings, understanding plants, and kind of doing a little bit of research on what kind of plants would suit your space.
2: And talk to people. Talk to the people at the garden center. Talk to your neighbors. Talk to the the master gardeners. Or they live to hand out information to people. And they're always at uh, different festivals around town. So there's a lot of information out there, both online and in person. You just have to go. you got to go look for it.
1: That makes sense. And so where can people learn more about the work that you do?
2: Well, they can just go to our website for the garden. It's just NorfolkBotanicalGarden.org. And uh, from there, there's links to the classes and the festivals that we have. There's links to the different gardens that we have, different opportunities for volunteering because we have a lot of volunteers in the in the area that help us out. There's some really exciting news. We break ground next week. Um, we've already had the ceremony, but we actually get shovels in the ground next week for a new uh, 28,000 square foot conservatory and new visitor center. So that, it's going to be about two years from now before it opens, but um, we're very, very excited about it. So we'll have a, a tropical bio, biome, and we'll have a succulent biome, and then we'll have a couple of rotating uh, rooms where we can do different things, but it's going to be exciting. And um, it's also going to help us with plant conservation too.
0: Well, congratulations so on your great. groundbreaking because that does sound like it's going to be awesome. Next time I uh, am back that way, I'm definitely going to have to come by and visit the garden. So thank you for all the information that you've given us today and for stopping by and speaking with us.
2: Yeah, it was very nice talking with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time and yes. thank you so much for all the information. I'm so excited to visit the Botanical Gardens when I'm home again. So,
0: This has been the Seedy and Shady AF Podcast. Thanks to all the peas in our pod for listening.
1: We believe in you and we believe in your plants.
0: Follow us for more shenanigans on Instagram at Seedy and Shady Pod.
1: Until next time, stay seedy, stay shady. And
0: remember, sketchy gardening is still gardening.